Blog Talk Radio. It's the Speedway Show, an idea exchange empowering you to live well, live fully, and love deeply. And now, here's our host, Speedway Pierce. Hi to all of you, and welcome to the Speedway Show. My name is B-Ray, and welcome to our series on successful relationships for a different kind of conversation about what makes relationships tick. Now, uh, you probably know this if you called in last week or if you listened on demand, but this is an adult show where we are talking about adult topics, so please exercise your discretion if you have young ears around. If you can't join us for any part of the show, it will be available on demand from the website after it airs, so you won't miss anything if you have to go and put the kitties to bed. If you'd like to follow the show and get reminders for when a new episode is coming up, simply click the blue icon under my picture that says follow on the website at www.blogtalkradio.com and you will receive future updates. If you would like to join us on Facebook, look for the public group called Successful Relationships or the fan page called The Speedway Show. You can also send me an email at success7 at groups.facebook.com. Again, success7 at groups.facebook.com. Now, I'd love to hear from you, so share your thoughts about our topic today. You can call in at 877-560-6033. Again, 877-560-6033. The topic today is bad relationships. How do they happen and how do you heal? If you're thinking to yourself, how do they always manage to find me and what can I do to change that, this is the show for you. If you have already committed to your bad relationship, don't despair because we'll talk about how you can turn it around. One of the things that makes this show so different from other relationship discussions is that we use the life manual as our guidepost for our discussions because you have to have a standard by which you measure your life. If you tuned in last week, you already know that the life manual is the manual that comes with your body, mind, and spirit. Depending on your personal persuasion, you may use the Hebrew Bible, the Bhagavad Gita, the Quran, the Christian Bible, or some other holy writing that speaks to you. And while expressed in different ways, the underlying truths about living right, living a godly life, tend to be the same. Give us a call and tell us what your life manual is, 877-560-6033. If you don't use one, that's okay. Tell us that too. This is the forum where all are welcome and our focus is on the things we share in common and that bring us together. I am really excited about our guest today. Her name is Sheila Ford. Sheila is an international speaker, author, and coach focused on spiritual growth, leadership, life, and project planning. Founder and CEO of Mission to Mobilization, LLC, Sheila has authored Love Letters to Him, 52 Poems and Essays Inspiring Intimate Relationships with God, you can find a copy of her book at www.loveletterstohim.com, and we'll repeat that a couple of times so you won't miss it. 
Sheila has also authored a book called Kingdom Compass, Do You Know Where You Are Going? And The Country Compass, Mobilizing the Nation Through Acts of Kindness and Service. Kingdom Compass actually launched her work in India. As author of Love Letters to Him, Sheila's writing is passionate, provocative, and powerfully personal. I can attest to this personally because I've actually read it. And it's a phenomenal piece of writing. You really should get a copy. Sheila reaches corporations to correctional facilities. Discussions include spirituality, sexuality, sanity, self-worth, and scars. Sheila's domestic work with World Vision includes capacity, community, and relationship development. Sheila has a bachelor uh, she has a Bachelor of Science degree in Marketing and a Master of Arts in Church Administration and Biblical Studies. Visit www.loveletterstohim.com to pick up your copy of the book and learn more about Sheila's work. Again, that's www.loveletterstohim.com. The last thing I'll tell you about Sheila is that I am privileged to count her as one of my friends. Our show is live, so if you'd like to call in and ask Sheila or me a question, please call toll-free 877-560-6033. Sheila, welcome to the Speedway Show. Thank you, Speedway. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm loving it. I'm just really excited about today's show. Well, let's dive right in. The very first thing I would ask you to do for us is please define for uh, for our audience what a relationship is to you. Yes, okay. Well, just a relationship in general is, you know, it's relative or quality or condition. Um, it's there's a connection either by it could be blood or marriage, um, but overall it's a connection between things or people. And so just really trying to kind of set the framework that it's that we're looking at in terms of our conversation today is going to be about um, those connections between uh, between people. Okay, and would you describe for us in the work that you do what kinds of bad relationships you commonly see? Well, the most obvious probably, you know, our marriage. Um, we're at about a 65% divorce rate, unfortunately, you know, in our culture. Um, but also I see... Is it that high? Pardon? I said, is it that high now? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so it is very, very sad. Um uh, and um but also really bad relationships in you know with family um a lot of really bad relationships with family friends um colleagues and then i'm also seeing you just parent child kind of really in that order in terms of maybe hierarchy but um you know just and we'll talk a little bit more later probably in the program if we have time about the whole parent child relationship and how that really stems um you know into poor relationships in our adult life um, but what I really believe um, kind of constitutes a bad relationship is really tied to three things. One, um, unmet expectations. Two, undefined expectations. So it's really it's, you know not clear or hasn't been defined in, uh, up front. And then thirdly, unclear communication. So we're just we're not talking about um, the expectations. Um, in in any way. Okay. Well, we're going to play a clip that really epitomizes what you just said about unmet 
expectations, undefined expectations, and poor communications between a particular couple. To set this up, this is a situation where the wife has gone out and she has bought some new lingerie in the hopes of improving her relationship with her husband, and um, you're going to hear the husband's response. Take a listen. Hey. Where are you going on? Trina said you might like it. Somewhat attracted to you. I might. And, um, oh, something you can do now. You can turn off the lamp. You're beginning to glow. <laughs> Look like the cow that jumped over the moon. <laughs> identify with that very hurtful reaction. This is why we're here today. We're back with the Speedway Show where our discussion is successful relationships. And today's topic is bad relationships and uh, how do they happen and how do you overcome them. And uh, we are talking to speaker, author, and coach Sheila Ford. Her powerful and provocative book, Love Letters to Him, is available at www.loveletterstohim.com. Why we get into them, and more importantly, how we get out of them. Our show is live, so if you would like to call in and ask Sheila a question, please call toll-free, 877-560-6033. Sheila, before the clip, we were talking about the work that you do and how you see relationships commonly going awry, and um, what would you say are the top contributors that play a role in people ending up in bad relationships? You know, there's um, there are a number of factors, um, but a few that really, I think, have been uh, heavily studied. Um, one has been just low self-worth, and so just really um, having low self-esteem and really not knowing um, who you are, really not knowing your personal identity, your personal value, how how valuable you really are, um, that really contributes to you not bringing your um, your full self, your full healthy self to a relationship. Secondly, 
um, I think there's a huge willingness to compromise on our personal values. And so we're in relationships, um, and a lot of times um, we will just settle. We will settle for um, something or say, you know, I really feel very strongly one way about something, um, and maybe the person you're in a relationship with feels extremely uh, or the on the other end. And so we find some middle ground when our personal values um, really are not in alignment with this other person. Um, and a lot of times we become just desperate, I think. I've seen it so many times. I do a lot of work in in, um, in prisons and hospitals, do a lot with addiction recovery um, centers. And so I see people just, they become desperate and they just, they will compromise. Thirdly, um, just a lot of negative emotions. You know, you see that it's, it's particularly in the workplace um, where there are a lot of things that are kind of underlining um, issues that are going on. A lot of passive aggressive behavior is, I think, is huge, um, and you see it more maybe in you know some cultures than others. But that um, there are things that I always call that there are root things that are underneath the surface that are kind of at the root of uh, who a person really is, and um, a lot of that uh, is brought forward in relationships. And then I think fourthly really is a lack of um, absolute truth to govern our lives, um, that, you know, there needs to be, and we're going to talk a, a little bit about, you know, um, my life manual, but how important it is to know there are certain things that are true about me, true about um, how I relate, how I am in relationship um, to other people, and um, that helps me make decisions about um, how what what I do with my own life and then how I, either I allow people to treat me and how I treat others. Wow. That's a lot of factors, but, you know, they all resonate. As I'm listening to you, I can think of times when I've been in a relationship when I have done one or more of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd be willing to bet that there are a lot of people out there listening who can also identify with one or more of those. So when you look at the people that you work with now, what are what other things do, do they have in common? Well, you know, um, some of the other things that I see is a lack of commitment. So not just, you know, we, we talk about, we often kind of immediately go to, you know, personal relationships, um, maybe with um, the opposite sex or, you know, or someone that we're trying to build a relationship with in terms of marriage, or but um, even in the workplace, uh, I think it's across the board that people really lack the commitment to make a relationship work. You know, uh, I've I've recently heard someone was talking about that almost in every uh, every facet of life there is maintenance for something. You get maintenance on your car, you know, if, you know, your computer needs some kind of checkup or maintenance, there is, you know, your dishwasher needs maintenance. Um, But we don't do any type of maintenance um, for ourselves or for relationships. And so I think that we lack the commitment that it takes um, and the willingness that it takes to be committed to a healthy relationship. And something that's really tied to that, I think, is is laziness. I mean, we really, you know, a lot of times we just don't want to put the work in. 
And so we we haven't committed to it, or we we committed and we let it go, just like people start, you know, uh, New Year's resolutions, and then they let go. But I mean, just the sometimes laziness and say, you know what, it, it is going to take some work, um, but I don't I don't want to deal with it. I don't feel like dealing with it, and so um, they refuse to. And then thirdly. I really see an unwillingness uh, to see the truth that some of the stuff is your own stuff. You know, we are very quick to blame somebody else. And we'll say, you know, that person, the way they said that or what they did and, you know, how they handled that, um, you know, I didn't like how they came to me. And um, so, so many times, I mean, I've just seen in my own life, you know, when I've been able to kind of step back and kind of check myself, it's like, okay, you know what, you know, you could have handled that a little bit better than you did. You know, you didn't need to say, you know, maybe you need to say one part, but then I went on, on, and on, and and made the situation worse <laughs> than what it should have been. You know, and so I think being able to own, that's another piece, you know, being able to own um, that we are, uh, we're contributing factors. You know, we contribute some things to help cause some um, some bad relationships, you know, in our lives. Well, that's kind of funny because I remember yeah. there was a time when I was um, I was married and having a really difficult time, and I would sit with God every day, and you know I would you know about every conversation would start with, Lord, let me tell you about that man. Did you see <laughs> what he did to me today? Did you see what he? Did you hear what he said to me? And you know I just felt like God kept saying, Yeah, let's look at you, and I was like, Me, you're not listening. And on and on and on we went until I finally got it. That you know, if you want a different kind of experience, we need to talk about you. <laughs> right, right. So I'm wondering if you can give us some examples of things that you have seen. Right, right. Um, a couple of things that really come to mind. One, just to that point right there. You know, I've, I mean, I have. Um, you know, there is even we're going to talk about the life manual. But looking at there's a scripture, um, in the Bible that um, talks about. You know, getting the um, looking at the splinter in your brother's eye, and you need to get the log out of your own. So it's like, you know, you're look focused so much on the other person when look at that big old log thing that's obstructing your view. You know, and so it's just um, I I haven't always been. Um, as mature as I am now, you know, and I, my prayer is that I continue to grow, you know, with God's grace. Um, but I have have seen over time where I'm more um, responsible to to think about me uh, and look at me and ask for kind of the discerning eye about my own life first. You know, the um, the other thing that I was thinking about was, um, you know, how most common I see where people treat their their colleagues or even clients much better than they treat their family and the relationships that they hold near and dear. So, you know, um, our our personal relationships, whether that's with a spouse or family, could even be a, a near and dear friend. Th- those are gifts. I mean, I feel like they are. They're gifts to me, and they should be held with high esteem. And so often, 
we treat um, a, a maybe a coworker or client much better because that is tied to our revenue. And you know, I remember seeing this commercial um, a couple years ago. It was one of the financial. Uh, somebody was in sales or whatever. And I'm, I'm going to botch it up, but I, I remember the core of it was that um, this child. Um, kept waiting for their mom, and they was like, you know, mom, when are we going to be able to go to the beach? When are we going to be able? She's like, you know, I got to take this client. I'm gonna, I got to spend some time with this client. And eventually, the little girl said, "Mommy, I want to be a client." And I was like, "Ouch!" You know, that's major. I remember that. Yes, yes. And so, you know, I, 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 it stuck with me because I remember just thinking it's so true. So often we put um, a lot of our, we invest a lot of our time and energy into um, kind of relationships at work or that relationship with our job, which is a thing. Yes, I know we need, you know, the the revenue from it, Um, but we often don't value and don't invest in the relationship that actually can bring us the most um, joy and maybe satisfaction and fulfillment because when I come home, I mean, I want to be able to just – you know, feel free and, and feel joy in my relationships with, you know, with my husband, for me, and, you know, and my family. So I just, I think that that's, that's huge. Well, I would completely agree. And um, I was going to ask you if you read a life manual and which one. And um, we now infer that you read one and it's the Bible. <laughs> and, um, you know, do you want to expound on what in the Bible jumps out at you as being relevant to the to the topic of dealing with bad relationships? Yes, you know, um, when I think about this, I mean, there's one, there's a number of um, of examples about relationships. I mean, I think that's one of the things that I'm blessed with and feel, if you want to say, impressed with or have been impressed upon me, um, the Bible is filled with relationships, you know, um, marriage, sibling, um, uh, parent, child. Um, But I feel like probably what's paramount for me is in um, the scripture about love, in 1 Corinthians 13 and 1, where it talks about love really should govern our action. And, you know, many people will say, you know, the, that this the scripture is is so challenging because it's require it's asking us, you know, not to that love suffers long, that it you know, it doesn't envy, um, it's not puffed up, it's not doesn't behave rudely, um, you know, that it believes all things, it doesn't keep any record of wrong. I mean, who does that? Yeah, I mean <laughs> You know, <laughs> you know, right? And so it's like this is good. I mean, this is the bar for me because it's like when I want to, you know, get an attitude about you know something or feel like you know maybe I haven't been you know treated right, um, then I I can go back to love. Really, is supposed to be my aim. I mean, it's unfortunate that um, every Christian doesn't follow, I mean, even though they are maybe saying that um, their life manual is the Holy Bible, um, but that oftentimes we're not following that. But when we do, when we, when we, when we do follow it, it um, it's life-changing. I mean, it really does direct our steps. It governs who we are. It tells us when to be quiet. It tells us when to speak, you know, being quick to listen and being able to think 
um, on things that are lovely and pure and being able to love. Um, the other thing about the Bible that has been very helpful to me is it helps me deal with um, conflict resolution, which is kind of at the core of this whole piece around bad relationships. And um, one of the things is that in the Bible it talks about if you think your brother, you know, is upset, it says has all, but if you think your brother's upset with you, brother or sister, you're supposed to go to them. Um, and, you know, and so we that that is giving us some direction on what, so just not even if you know, if you just think, and, and you, you know, you deal with people every day, you can feel sometimes when, or maybe something was said and you kind of just a little funny something in your stomach or heart, and then you see them the next time and they're kind of acting a little different than they did before, you can just feel, you just kind of feel like maybe something's not quite right. And um, the scripture is talking about just that, that if you think, they didn't even say anything, nobody told you to do anything wrong, but you just think that there may be something wrong, that we're supposed to go to that person and and ask and say, you know, is there something? I mean, did I do something? Did I say something? You know, and not with an attitude, but we go with love and, and try to get that corrected. And then the, the third thing about conflict resolution that I think is really powerful um, through the Word of God is this kind of what is called the Matthew 18 approach, which is when you go to a person, if you have a conflict, that you go to them one-on-one. So you start with just you and the person saying, okay, you know, it seems like something's going on or you said something or maybe you did something or my perception of what you said or did or however you want to frame it, but that there's a there's a, there's some conflict here. Our relationship is um, potentially, you know, in question. And, um, and then if the person, you know, acts like, well, you know, I don't want to hear you, they're all upset or whatever, then the next step is you're supposed to take two or three people with you. So that you can try to still go, you're still trying to resolve the conflict. You're still trying to maintain the relationship, and so you go again the, the, with the two or three people, and the person's, you know, they're like, you know, all y'all crazy, and I don't want to talk <laughs> to you. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. Then next step is you then um, take the church. And so, you know, people think, oh, you're going to go up before, you know, a big body of church. Well, no, we are, I mean, what I have been taught is that I am the church. So that means a larger body of people that you're really still, you're trying to do your best to try to bring um, this conflict to a, res- to a healthy resolution. And then if a person, you know, is still unreasonable, then you're like, okay, well, then they, they're unreasonable because all of us have really tried, and then you just let them go on about their way. But the whole point here is that, Rarely do we take this approach, and I've done it before, and oh my goodness, it does work. I mean, typically, I've never had to get as far as taking the whole church body, all a bunch of people, but that, you know, I mean, <laughs> what I think is so powerful um, and what, it, what this really um, hinges on is a lot of times we get counsel from somebody else before we've talk to the person one-on-one. So we'll go and we, you know, we feel like the relationship's raggedy and the person treated us bad, and so then we go and tell our girlfriend and we talk about it and talk about it, and <laughs> we don't, if they're going to tell us something, we don't even know. They're probably in a raggedy relationship too, and all they want to do is have <laughs> you, you know, uh, both of y'all just, you know, picking the wounds together, and so you don't really get good, sound um, counsel and support. And so 
we need to be able to, I believe, if we if we if we would start with just even going to the person um, and really trying to go back to getting some clarity around the expectation. You know, what what is the expectation? Maybe maybe I missed something. You know, I mean that is a great way to start. Maybe there's something I didn't hear or something I, you know, wasn't clear about when we first started out in this. And so that's to your point earlier. Um, you know, you could you'd be in a relationship that's bad. Well, then you need to kind of go back. You want to get back at um, what is what are the expectations and 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 making sure that I mean, if they're unmet, how do we how do we deal with them? But but bottom line, dealing with them one on one. Well, I have to say, you must have been in my house because uh, <laughs> over the course of my lifetime, first of all, I have heard those scriptures. And uh, you're you're exactly right. I I've never taken a I've never taken a step by step approach. And frankly, I don't know uh, I, now except for you. I don't know anybody who has. And um, so I think it's it is true that we are just, you know, I think a lot of times in our lives when it comes to relationships, the biggest temptation that we have is to act outside of love. And the most difficult thing to do is to act within the scope of what it really means to love because I don't want to. You know, right. I, I do want to call my girlfriend and say, did you did, did you hear what she said to me? Do you know what she said to me? And, yeah. um, you know, that's that's the inclination because I want people on my side who are going to support me and say, they are there, of course, you're a wonderful person. You didn't do anything to her. Why that half are so and so and so and so? That's what I really want to do, right? Yes. And um, so I think it's 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 hard. And the place where I see it most hurtful is in family relationships, especially mm-hmm. with parents who are having a difficult time with their children. Because I find, and this is my opinion, that children have a tendency to not value relationships as much until they get older or until they turn into parents themselves. Right. And so what I find is, you know, the the times when I see the greatest pain is when I have a mom or a dad um, who goes hat in hand to a child and tries to recover a relationship only to find that this child is just completely arrogant and disinterested in, you know, coming to the table in any reasonable way. Or the child may be just interested in, you know, the financial aspects of what can mom or dad do for me. And outside of that, they're not really interested in a relationship. And, you know, it's 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 easy to say you let somebody go their merry way, but when they're your relative, mm. then it really hurts because you can't fix the relationship by yourself if right. the other party is completely unwilling, but then it's so hard to let that go because you've got to see them at the weddings, at the funerals, and so on and so forth. And that becomes really painful mm-hmm. very, very so um when you see um you know how do people cope in when with, with bad relationships and and how do you get past them if you've got that person that boy you know you're just really having a hard time with what do what do people do that you think well you know um i want to respond to that two ways one I feel like a lot of times people don't cope. They they really they don't deal with them at all. Um, that we have a tendency to mask, bury wounds, um, you know, and then unfortunately 
you know, with a, either passive aggressive behavior or, you know, somewhere down the down the road, some poor soul has to deal with, you know, the stuff that you never dealt with from from the past. But um, you know, I I I wanted to I kind of give like a little acronym to how I feel like people can cope, and mm-hmm. it's the the acronym ACT, and um, the A is that we need to ask God for help first. Okay, so um, you know I believe that we need God's help, but that God helps us in a number of ways. Um, sometimes it may be where we see God's word as a guide and a direction. Um, sometimes God helps us through other people, you know, really solid, healthy, um, strong people that, you know, can can be able to support and not just, you know, pacify our, you know, bad behavior or, you know, just say, oh, well, yeah, just forget them, they're, they're hateful and, and just move on. Um, so I think really being able to ask for help but asking God first um, and then see confess that you may be a part of the problem, you know, so to being able to take take ownership. And then the T is to trust again. And I think that that's really huge. Um, when you've been hurt, and, and I mean, this, this would be a whole other show, you know, but, I mean, when you've been hurt, it is difficult to re-trust one, sometimes that person, sometimes you say, well, I'll never trust that person again. I mean, we literally. That's will, right. We, okay, <laughs> we just, they they are written off, they're in a category, you know. Um, Correct. But, but I also. shall not get close to my heart category. Okay, yes, right. <laughs> I mean, I, you kind of have tears of people, you know. Um, but also, I mean, we because we have to be able to forgive, and I think that's that's a huge piece, the, the trust and the forgiveness. And it doesn't mean that if you forgive somebody that you allow them to hurt you again, that you, you may have you may need some boundaries because some people don't have any boundaries, and that's how they continue to get hurt in bad, poor relationships. Um, but that you do need it. But, but I think that oftentimes we, the trust factor spills over into other relationships. So maybe I didn't tr- maybe I had a bad relationship in high school or the way this person is, you know, how they treated me. So now I got my guards up really for everybody. So now it's not only that I distrust that person, I feel like everybody is like that person that hurt me. And so it it that takes some work. And you know, and it does it takes support and we'll you know, I think maybe we'll get a chance to talk a little bit more about that. But, you know, but being able to ask God for help, confessing that you have um, maybe part of the problem, and then T, being able to learn how to trust again is huge. I agree, and it's it's a hard thing to do because, um, you know, I was just talking to a girlfriend of mine who was, who was hurt very badly uh, in a relationship that she had, and she was mentioning that as she was going forward and trying to, you know, get back into the dating environment, she was having a really hard time with trust. And I think mm-hmm. for a lot of us, um, that is a really big issue. How do you how do you not suspect everybody who comes along of right. being just as, you know, dastardly uh, as the person who hurt you? And even in the work environment, if somebody betrays you at work, mm-hmm. um, how do you not look at everybody else who is perhaps in that same position as relates to you and not feel like, 
well, this person might betray me, and you know, what can I really share with them about the projects that I'm working on? Because they might take off and, and try and use those things to their advantage um, and, and undermine me. So it's a, it's a really big issue, and maybe you should come back and we'll talk about that because we talked about that last week, and um, it's, 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 a, it's a challenging thing to do. But at the end of the day, the goal is to break the cycle of bad relationships. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm wondering, uh, you know, because I'm guessing that there are people who might listen to the show and say, oh, but you have no idea how bad my situation is. Sheila, right. you haven't been in my house. So is there a particular kind of relationship that is impossible to break away from? Um, My first response is that nothing is impossible with God. I mean, that's that's what I believe, and that, um, you know, no matter how bad – uh, badly someone has been wounded or hurt or how horrific, um, you know, that relationship is that um, it can, that there that you can be repaired. Now, maybe the relationship itself, depending on that, that person and what that person has done, and maybe that person doesn't want help, um, that that you may not be able to maintain the same type of relationship with them. There may be some guard guards guardrails that need to be put put up, um, but that I do believe that everyone can be healed, and I think that it really um, that it depends on the person and the depth of the wounds, you know. So I think about if somebody has been abandoned, you know, from their childhood, then in their adult life they may have this huge fear that somebody's going to leave them. So that, you know, even though the relationship is completely horrific, I mean, it's the worst ever, but they stay in it because they've got this root of, you know, fear of abandonment. So they stay, you know, just saying, well, I just don't want this person to leave. Or somebody was abused as a child um, that even though the relationship they're in now as an adult, that's the only kind of love they've ever known. So even though it's a, they're being abused now, that's all they know, and so they just stay in it um, because they don't know anything else. And then I think about verbal abuse, which is it's so it's so damaging. You know, the, as kids used to say, you know, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Was the biggest lie that they ever came up with. You know, I mean, verbal abuse is so detrimental. You know, psychologically. And um, when some people, when they become adults, that because they grew up in that environment, um, being verbally abused seems normal. You know, somebody's saying something negative to them all the time, or you're just a lot of negative self, uh, negative self talk, and negative you know talks from other people, um, is no, is a normal way of communication. And so, in some of those cases it almost seems impossible because the person doesn't know any better. And so that's why it's so important that um, we go back to, you know, having God direct, either being able to hear clearly from, you know, some things God may be leading them to or some healthy people to be able to say, you know what, you know, as your friend, as your sister, as your brother, um, let's really look at, you know, what some of the things that are going on and, and, you know, um, what's happening you know, in your life. And everybody's at a different place, you know, um, in terms of being able to, to grow and change and be willing um, to, to kind of dig. 
Well, we're going to take a listen to an example of a bad relationship. This came from an episode of Desperate Housewives, where one of the housewives uh, confronted her father about their past relationship. Take a listen. Okay. You come near me. Now, Vietnamese, who are you kidding? I'm not the little girl who doesn't know how to defend herself anymore. What's going on here? I'm trying to think of a reason not to kill you. I know we had our problems. I don't remember you having problems. I remember you getting drunk on tequila and coming into my room and putting your hand over my mouth and raping me. situation of course it's it's drama and it's fictionalized but Gabby's got a gun and she's uh, holding it uh, on her dad which is why she was telling him to get down on his knees and um, so it went on and so the question then becomes so now she's an adult now she's confronting her dad and she's talking about something that happened when repeatedly when she was you know 15 and so the question then for you Sheila is how do you get past a bad relationship like that? Um, You know, the first thing is everyone is different. I mean, you know, that's kind of cliche-ish, but we really need to identify that everyone is very different in their approach, the the severity of the wounds, your personality type, just the the ability the the network and support that you have to be able to process through is so different, and I think that it's really important that you know that individuals give themselves permission to either scratch or dig underneath the surface you know as they kind of reflect on um the healing process and so you know so, you know one person's really supposedly you know um very zealous and saying, you know, well, I'm ready to really dig in, and, you know, that's what everybody else should do, and, you know, or, or my girlfriend, I want her to, to do that. Well, she may not be able to. She, it may be too painful um, for her to, to be able to do, you know, and, and really recognizing that um, that when a person is, is addressing this, that they need to disclose their hurt um, in a safe and very confidential environment, you know. Um, you can't just share some of these challenges with just anyone. Um, it's important if you have a, a trusted friend, but sometimes a trusted friend is not always a wise friend um, or a discerning or a confidential friend. And so um, we have different um, levels of, of um of of friendships and so just rec- recognizing and really I would say discerning you know who and discerning you know meaning really being able to think through and and kind of identify clearly if that person is someone that you can um get help with or help from and or um find 
professional counselors. I mean, that's what they do. There are people in in different cultures, you know, people have really looked down on, you know, getting counseling or therapy, but we need help. I mean, there are so many cases where, you know, people are just living in pain and shame um, unjustifiably um, and uh, where they don't have to, they don't need to be isolated and they can get some the support that they need. Um, and and I really, I believe that, you know, really being able to identify that uh, we should, shouldn't let anything get um, or stop us from uncovering our true whole self, you know, that there there is a real, if we've, if we've gone through some of the things like we saw in the clip or just where we know where people have um, struggled in so many things with their childhood, um, that there is a, there's a person underneath, the, the real person is, is um, desirous to come out and to be able to live and be free and to flourish. And so... You know, I I believe that um, there should be some spiritual direction to help um, move people towards kind of physical action, and so some people, you know, the work that I've done in um, in community in a number of different ways that I, I found that you know some people sing, you know, some people paint or rap, or they're able to talk through the process. Um, and some are like me that where they love to write, and so I mean it's huge how much writing can really download um, and then help purge really some of the pain or frustration that um, that people often have felt and sometimes has been hidden, you know that you didn't even realize that you had, and you know um, I I wanted to I want to share. One of my um, poems that uh, from Love Letters to Him, it uh, this poem encompasses kind of my childhood. Um, I was ad- I was adopted, um, and uh, but I lived in an orphanage for about um, 13 months before I was taken into with my beautiful family. And um, but images of the crib bars um, in that orphanage, and then my need to be loved, um, my struggle with low self esteem. Um, the poor choices that I made, you know, in relationships in high school and then some compromises that I made in my marriage. Um, And then really finally comes around to the realization that I believe Jesus was the only one that could um, relate or help me maintain my relationship with um, him and with others. So I'd like to share if you'd let me. I'd love to hear it. Okay. This poem is um, it's actually week 35 out of the 52. Um, it's called Cries That Lie Within Sin. What can wash away my sin? Who can hold me deep within? It's a battle that rage with great effect, an inner hidden place the natural cannot detect. Who can make me whole again? Jesus seems to unattend. Don't you want me? I'm your child, vessel breaking under weight of life trials, a subtle foe you do not know, waiting in secret your defenses low. What does he seek patiently find, vulnerable unresolved, a crevice of the mind? No other friend I know who can make me white as snow, 
I want to be clean. I want to be whole, free from within, battling for my soul. I cannot hide, nor can I sleep. I embrace temptation, death wish to keep. Born into sin, no hand to hold. My world were crib bars, I I was cold. I want to be touched, want to be hold. The embrace of comfort, this life was not chose. Where is my father, a motherless child? A desirous woman, a bed waiting to defile. Who can long for, how long can she wait? A little baby cries out, oh, her heart aches. Who will hold her, pick her up? She looks to man to fulfill and sup. She hears her name, she opens wide. Her heart fulfilled, she will not die. Spiritual honor, her weight scaled divine. The tempter wage forsaken, her father's gift in kind. The lie and sin, target at fetus, washed clean and made whole by bought blood, Jesus. Wow. That was really powerful. Thank you for sharing that with us. Thank you. Thank you so much. You know, it reminds me, as I was listening, of, um, you know, across culture, the power of the divine. And um, I remember reading a book called Autobiography of a Yogi that was written by a a man by the name of Paramahansa Yogananda, who... um, came from a, his parents were were Hindu, he was born in India, and in his autobiography he talks about losing his mother. At a a pretty early age his mother passed away, and he said, uh, you know, he, he described storming the gates of heaven because he was so angry and so bereft because he lost his mother. And um, it wasn't until one day he was sitting in prayer and meditation when his divine mother, which is how he refers to God for the most part, you know, there's God the Father, um, there's there's God in the aspect of the divine mother, which encompasses sort of the softer elements of, of God and his love for us. And, um, you know, one day his divine mother finally said to him, you know, the, the, the dark eyes of your earthly mom that you lost, find that love and find those dark eyes in me. And that was when he finally found comfort. And I thought about that because I I think that, you know, regardless of your culture, there is something to be said, truly something to be said, for always going to the divine, whether you call um, that divine mother or the the heavenly father or Allah or um, Lord Krishna and, um, you know, I think in the end, for many of us, that's where the beginning of healing comes. And I think that's that's a valuable thing. And when you talk about finding that comfort in Jesus, I think that's that's pretty powerful because there, there are certain things that no human being can heal. Mm-hmm. And I think for many of us, if you've lived any decent amount of time, you get to the point where you realize that there's only so much that you as a as a as an individual can do and there's only so much that people other people can do for you and there's so much that goes on inside of us and nobody can ever even understand much less address. So to the person listening who might be saying, you know, yes, I can identify with being molested or abused or yes, I'm in 
currently, you know, for whatever reason, a bad relationship, um, you've given us a lot of suggestions and a lot of recommendations, and I thought ACT was particularly powerful, especially for those people who are married um, and are thinking, you know, what do, what do I do? You know, ask God for help, confess that you might be part of the problem and maybe even apologize for you're part of the problem, and, and then learn to trust again. And, um, you know, if I were to take away, uh, are, are there any other resources that you would suggest for our listeners? Yes, yeah. I, um, you know, and I wanted to, to say, too, that, you know, a person doesn't have to be, have been molested as a child, you know, to have deep wounds that, um, you know, it could, be, it could be some verbal abuse, some things that maybe somebody thinks is really simple, you know, just a quick thought uh, or story where when I was growing up, my um, neighbor was, um, he was biracial, and um, I have very um, beautiful chocolate skin. <laughs> so um, he told me that um, God made a mistake and left me in the sun too long. And oh, no. I, uh, yeah, and so I was like 10 years old, and I remember that, I mean, literally that, I mean, I could just see that image of, the like, God had this big cookie sheet, and he was taking off all, like, the sugar cookies, and he took off some cinnamon <laughs> cookies, <laughs> and then he left my cookie out there, it was like, was sitting on the sheet, just burning, crisping, getting, you know, all burnt, <laughs> and he forgot, and so, literally, it took almost 15 years for me to get that image out of my mind. Now, you know, that here was another I think he was maybe 12 or 13 years old, but um the point here is about some it doesn't have to be that you know you were raped as a child. I mean there's a lot of different things that are kind of underneath the surface that sometimes we don't know and that um being able to pray about and even asking God um to help kind of unearth some of those things so that we really can be free. Some um resources that I've seen over the years that I think are really helpful I did want to leave with your listeners was, um, one, um, I really believe Love Letters to Him is is powerfully um, therapeutic from the standpoint that I also include reflection questions, application, and accountability. So, you know, as people go through the poems, there's um, questions for each one of the poems to help people kind of personally process, and then they may need to, if they're going to hold themselves accountable to some changes that they need to make, um, that they can ask someone to kind of walk and journey with them around that. Um, Secondly, Sex and the Soul of a Woman, um, a powerful, I believe, um, resource. Paula Reinhardt is the author and really looks at just um, relationships outside of marriage and how um, sex, how it impacts um, the soul, and uh, and for men and women, um, but um, Paul is specifically talking about women. And then a book, um, Live Like You Were Dying, Michael Morris. I just thought, you know, just across the board, really being able to, if we lived life um, as if we were dying, we would, I think we'd value relationships a lot more, and I think we would um, invest a lot differently you know, than the way we have in the past. And then, um, you know, finally, obviously my life manual, I believe that the Bible um, is, a, is a great um, gift and tool um, and example around relationships and teaches us how to love um, ourselves and um, love one another. Well, that is absolutely phenomenal. And if at the end of the day, if I were to take away one thing from this show, it is that 
no matter what your past has been, no matter what your current relationships look like, there are ways that you can change your life for the better. Would that be a fair thing to say? Mm-hmm, yes. Yeah. And um, the, and I think part of it really is, is recognizing in the process that you can only work on yourself. And um, at the end of the day, you do what you can to to heal yourself and to extend yourself. And then you give God the rest of it. And sometimes you might not get an answer today. It might not even be next year. But um, at the end of the day, there are things that we can all do to improve the quality of our relationships and heal our hurts. And with that, that concludes our show for the day. Sheila, thank you so much for joining us today. And um, I sure hope that you come back because there there are lots of other things and other aspects that we can explore based on just what you've given us today. Thank you. I would love to. In the meantime... This is uh, for the listeners. If you'd like to follow the show, you can just click on the blue icon under my picture that says follow on the website on blogtalkradio.com slash speedway, and you will receive future show updates just like this one. If you missed part of the show, you can um, listen to it on demand after today, and uh, or at least after the show finishes. And uh, if you want to, tell us what you thought of the show. Post a comment on Facebook, on the public group called Successful Relationships, or on the fan page, The Speedway Show. You can also send me an email at success7 at groups.facebook.com. The other thing that I will tell you all is everyday people, everyday lives, You don't have to be a celebrity to be a guest on our show because even they have everyday joys and challenges in their relationships. If you would like to be our guest, email me at success7 at groups.facebook.com. Join us next week when our guest speaker will be Amazon.com best-selling author Barbara Hofmeister, who will be joining us all the way from Germany. In addition to to being a best-selling author, Barbara is an internationally renowned speaker and expert on the topic of human growth. In the last few years alone, she spoke to over 15,000 people, helping them get their dreams back and the courage to make them come true. Her website is www.thetobebook.com, as in to be or not to be. And we will be talking about choice, your happiness, your misery, the choice is yours. Barbara will explain how to clarify your dreams and start living a life of joy and passion. Until next week, this is Spiwe with my guest Sheila saying go in peace. Thank you for joining us on the Spiwe Show. Until next time, live well, live fully, and love deeply.